Okay, so I'm here with Matteo, uh, inventor of the Orange Pill app. It's a brand new app. You guys have just uh, crossed one month being live now, right? Yes, sir. Today, uh, exactly today, one month ago, we launched at uh, Pacific Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So today is the first month of uh, this adventure. Awesome. And it seems like you're getting a lot of traction for only being live for a month. So I was thinking maybe to start, we could just talk about maybe your journey into Bitcoin and how that led you to making this app. Yeah, sure. So I have uh, probably a fairly typical journey in Bitcoin. Um, so my first uh, foray was in 2012. A friend of mine told me, hey, you know, there's this thing called Bitcoin. I think it was about $5. And I, and I told the guy, it's a scam. We didn't look into anything, although I don't think there was anything to look into because there was no books or no podcasts. Uh, so I told him it was a scam when it was $5. Then the year after, I was um, dating this uh, girl from America, and she told me about Bitcoin, and I told her to, to not buy. So I actively encouraged her not to buy Bitcoin. At, I think the price was $120. Then uh, bear market, which obviously I didn't know about it, but nobody told me. So no, I, I haven't heard about Bitcoin since 2012 until... 2015, 16. Obviously, now I know why. It's because it was a bear market and mangoes and all that kind of stuff. So then uh, I joined Twitter in 2015 and uh, I, I still didn't know anything about Bitcoin, but I, I, I followed one, one guy on Twitter that uh, he was a conspiracy theorist in chief. So he was in all kinds of conspiracy theory. Uh, I don't know why I follow him, but that's beside the point. The, but he was tell he was tweeting about Bitcoin every day, every day by Bitcoin, by Bitcoin, by Bitcoin. So one day I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna buy some Bitcoin. So download Coinbase, I got ten dollars of Bitcoin and ten dollars of Ethereum. Uh, so I was a shit coin from the start, I guess. Then forgot about it completely until summer of 2016, maybe 2017, when the famous uh, Naval thread that he wrote one night, Naval Ravikant from AngelList, which I knew because of my past in uh, technology companies, I knew about Naval. So at this point, I still think Bitcoin is a scam, right? I'm still in like Bitcoin is a scam, you know. But then I read this thread of Naval and because I knew Naval from from outside, it's like, wow, why, why, is it, why is this guy talking about Bitcoin if Bitcoin is a scam? That makes no sense, right? So my head, I'm starting having doubts. So the next morning I said, okay, I need to find out what's going on here. So I download Coinbase, which I have deleted. I forgot the password, download, you know, get the password, open Coinbase, and the $20 that I bought the year before, now is $160. I'm like, this is definitely a scam. Nothing goes up 900% or 800% in one year. You know, keep in mind, I have a degree in economics and I've been investing since I was 19. So, you know, I had some, some knowledge about investing and, and that kind of stuff. So I'm like, you know, I was right. It's a scam. But Naval was in the back of my mind, you know. So that, that, that was my inception. So I bought a little bit more. I don't know, maybe I bought one Bitcoin. 
2017, you know, bull run, 20,000. Great, I didn't sell any, as far as I remember. But then in 2018, I had the brilliant idea of buying all the shit coins. So at the beginning of the bear market in 2018, literally January 2018, my brain tells me, okay, Bitcoin is all technology. There's all these shit coins because I was on Coinbase. That's the problem, right? I was on Coinbase and Coinbase was pushing the shit coins every day. You know, this shit coin went up 300% in one day, blah, blah. So I figured that uh, I should buy all the shit coins pretty much. The top 100 that went down 10% the day before, I would buy the next day. Now you can imagine because it's the beginning of the bear market. Two months later, I end up owning maybe 50, 50 shit coins. <laughs> you name it, I had it. Dash, Cardano, um, Dogecoin. Like this is 2018, so you know there was no Solana, no Alex, but so I bought all the shit coin, and then the bear market, like things keep going down and down and down. So at some point, I realized so maybe I should stop doing this. So I, I completely closed finance, forgot about it. And then summer of 2018, I bought the uh, Bitcoin standard from Seferin because he's an economist and I have a degree in economics. So I thought, oh, okay, you know, maybe he knows something that I don't know, right? Um, so I read that book and that book kind of like opened my eyes so that that the, the, the Bitcoin standard was my entrance to the Bitcoin rabbit hole. That's how I, that's my ticket to the rabbit hole. So I did that. And then at that point, I was literally telling people to buy Bitcoin all the time. Bitcoin was 3,000, 4,000. It was pretty good. And then, uh, and then the next chapter, I guess it was when Michael Seller shows up, uh, summer of 2020. Actually, I know exactly the date, August 12, 2020. Because from that day, I went completely only in Bitcoin. I was maybe 90% before Michael Siller. Michael, Michael Siller shows up and I'm like, if this guy is all in, I'm gonna be all in. And so, you know, at that point I was selling the house and I put the money and I was asking my friends to buy a Bitcoin for me because all the limits, right? You know, 10,000 a day, blah, blah. So yeah, so summer 2020, I went all in completely, like literally like every dollar that I had in my name was in Bitcoin. And then, uh, yeah, so, so I guess uh, that's uh, when I, I became a Bitcoin maxi, if you, if you like. And then, so how do I get into Orange Peel? I mean, how do I get to idea of Orange Peel? It's because uh, April 2022, I, I was like, I was driving down Santa Monica, which is where I used to live in uh, Los Angeles. And I'm like, where are all the Bitcoiners in here? Where are all the plebs at, right? Like the, Santa Monica, I remember, I look, it's 400,000 people living in Santa Monica. There's gotta be some Bitcoins around here, but how am I gonna find them? Because most people don't go to meetup, right? Um, and so I had, the, so that was the inception of the idea. Then maybe one month later, I, a friend of mine calls me and, and tell me, I need to talk to you, let's meet uh, for coffee. I say, sure, why not? So I, I met the guy and he tells me that he's starting a dating app for active people. So my brain goes like, oh, I see. So the dating industry 
is fragmentizing. It's going all. It's going. It's going to be all these verticals. They're going to be smaller and smaller and smaller. And so, in the back of my brain, I go, "Here we go. Bitcoin dating up, dating up for bitcoins." Which was literally the the, the first idea was. People make fun of Orange Pill up now, but the first idea was a dating app for Bitcoiners, which obviously was not a good idea. Um, but but at least I had the solution to how to find people nearby using geolocation with an app. Like this problem has been solved by dating apps, right? Um, and then obviously I realized, okay, the dating app is not gonna work because there's no women. I mean, there are some, but there's very few. <laughs> It's a little skewed there. Yeah, it's a little problem of supply and demand, right? Yeah. And so, and then so naturally I realized, okay, you know, this could be way bigger than just a dating app. Uh, this could be uh, the social layer of Bitcoin in real life. So we can use the same technology and the same principles of dating apps, but for everything else, dating, friendship, networking, and so that that was the original. So that that's when I so end of April, May 2022. That's when I had the, the you know the the full vision of Orange Pill up. Okay, it's it's a tool for Bitcoiners to meet each other in real life, whether they want to go on a date or a friendship or or networking. It's beside the point, right? How do we get Bitcoiners together locally? So that was. And then from there, obviously, there's a plenty. That's from there, you, you there's plenty of directions that you know, uh, plenty of tangents that the app can go. Events, merchants, uh, the Bitcoin circular economy, which is I believe that we're gonna be a catalyst for uh, you know the Bitcoin circular economy. But you know, that's that's the story. Awesome, that wow, it's a crazy story about how you. <laughs> got uh first you know heard about it in 2012 or whatever and then it was you know eight yeah seven eight years later a while. yeah i've heard similar stories though can i ask so what were you doing you said you had a background in economics what was your kind of career before uh launching this app sure so i've been uh so i'm 38 years old and i've been employed for two years in the entirety of my life uh, which means I've been entrepreneur since I was 19. I had many companies, many side projects, many startups. Uh, that's my background. My background is uh, consumer-facing uh, tech companies. Okay. So I had uh, my first business was a uh, online clothing uh, retail. Uh, that I was doing at 19, I was shipping clothes from Indonesia to Italy and then sell them on eBay. Great business. Made quite a lot of money, then moved to London. Uh, I, love, I fell in love with London, moved to London. I wanted to be a DJ. Then I wanted to be a, uh, a pianist. So I wanted to be a musician for many years. But it was not in my, it was not in my destiny, let's put it that way. And so then I opened a, a shipping company. Uh, in Italy, which was which became uh, well the biggest uh, shipping online company in the whole country uh, wow. that I sold in 2012, 
Uh, then I opened uh, Uber before Uber in Milan, in Italy, which didn't work because I didn't, uh, I didn't even, I didn't even know you could find bad developers because my my first two companies were successful, mm-hmm. extremely successful. They didn't really have much problems with the development side, the technological side. So in my mind, I'm like 26 years old. I think I'm a genius, obviously, right? And then uh, I don't even know what I don't know. I don't know that you can, that the majority of developers are actually bad. So I hired the wrong developers. I launched this Uber, pretty much Uber in Italy. Had a lot of press, uh, media attention, uh, and then the app didn't work. It was a complete, well, not complete, but you know, like a, that, that was my first failure in life. And uh, when was, when failure, was this again? 2013. Okay, so yeah, that was again, before, I can exactly remember when Uber started going mainstream, but much later, right? Well, Uber existed in the United States, but I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in London, I was using an app that pretty much same idea, it's called Halo, H-A-L-O, which was the first uh, taxi app I think globally it was even before Uber. I think it was 2008, right when the iPhone came out. Right, so I live in London. I'm using this app. I sold my con- I sold my shipping company. I have a little bit of money. I'm like, what am I doing next? Right, move back to Italy, launch this taxi app, which uh, I did everything right. I got the right people on board. I got media, the taxi drivers. I got everything right except the product. Product was Terrible, because I, I I just trusted the developers that they knew what they were doing right, uh, and and you know as I as as you probably know like failure is a is a is a bigger teacher than success. You learn way more from failure than from succeeding. In fact, succeeding might be a wrong teacher altogether, which was my case. So they they. The typical journey of an entrepreneur is like you fail, you fail, you fail, you learn, you fail, you learn, and then you make it. I started from I made it, then I made it again, and then I thought I was invincible, which is why I failed. Dangerous mindset. Yeah. So, yeah, I had a, I had an upside. Uh, like my journey was a little bit different from the from most uh, entrepreneur. Uh, so anyway, so then from there, I moved to New York and I had an indoor uh, delivery app. And I ended up working with the biggest theater company in Broadway, Schubert, uh, which was great. And uh, the, the, the technology worked, uh, everything worked, but the consumer didn't really like the, the product, which, you know, happens. So I sold the technology to Schubert, and then from 2016 until Orange Peel Up. So from 2016 until 2022, I took a break from business. Well, that's not true, but I took a break from being a founder. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. And I did. I did other. I, I, that that's that's my two years of being unemployed. Right. That's happened in 2016. I moved to LA. You know and. Um, and that's yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the story. That's my career, let's say. Awesome. So very well seasoned with startups and creating companies, and wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
it's not always uh, it's not always uh, how do you say it's good to have experience but it's also a lot of there's there's a lot of pain and you know and because uh, obviously you know failure is not nice yeah and so you know it, it it's good to have both experience but yeah yeah so yeah I definitely have a lot of experience you can say that so when did the orange pill app when did you start really giving your all to it it may actually i remember the day i met my friend uh, i left the meeting with my friend and i look at the sky because you can imagine that having the background that i have i once i went all in on bitcoin I, I wanted to do something in Bitcoin, right? Because mm-hmm. I'm the kind of guy that should do a Bitcoin company. And I couldn't find, I couldn't find anything to do. I, I can't do exchanges, you know. I don't want to do clothing in Bitcoin or coin, I don't know, right? So I couldn't, for two years, I had this desire to build the Bitcoin company, yet I had no, I had no spark, no nothing to to latch on. So the day I met my friend and I had this Bitcoin dating up idea, that was like I remember. I remember I was like I had a very unique emotion. It was like it was like a like a like a light bulb moment. I was like, ha, ah, this is what I'm gonna do. This is I, it's like it's like you have two years of like wanting something and you couldn't find and then one day you found it and it was it was very very um refreshing right uh but yeah so 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 pretty much from that day you know i i wasn't all in because obviously you know you gotta flesh out the idea obviously you know you can't just launch it uh but maybe a month later once i found out that you know it's not a dating app it's not dating app.com as well um, so from May 2022, I was only in working like, you know, 10 hours a day, 12 hours a day, uh, pretty much since then. Awesome. So how does this, how does Orange Pill app compare to your previous companies? Are you, are you most excited about this one? Like, is this your, you think this is going to be your, oh yeah your, your, well, from a business standpoint, uh, you could say that you know this. Forget about Bitcoin, right? Forget about Bitcoin for a second. If you look as a business, if you look just as a business, it's very exciting because obviously humans are social animals, so we want to be connected, right? We want to be connected no matter what, whether it's football or sports or religion or point. This is the desire of humans. So to build an app that facilitate that desire which probably is the biggest desire that we have, that that itself is a huge business, right? Now, add on top that is in Bitcoin, and I'm a Bitcoin maxi, all in. So yeah, that by, yeah, absolutely. That's the most exciting. I believe this is gonna be the privilege of my life to have built this up and hopefully played a part in the hyper-Bitcoinization of the world. Awesome. I'm really excited about it. I, I know as soon as I saw it on Twitter, um, <laughs> just like instantly downloaded it because as a 
Bitcoin Maxi myself, you know, you love talking about Bitcoin. You love talking with other people that understand Bitcoin. And right now it's kind of hard to, you know, there's not too many Bitcoiners out there, especially depending yeah, on where you right. live. And so, I mean, for the past, you know, couple of years, I just, people, I can, I try to talk about Bitcoin all the time, but people, you know, people don't have the same, non-Bitcoiners don't have the, they're not as interested in it as you. So whenever you actually do meet somebody that's a Bitcoiner, you can just like talk all day. And so I've been trying to kind of find a lot of more Bitcoiners in my community over the past uh, few months, really. And yeah, so found the app and it's, uh, yeah, it's only been launched for uh, about a month now. So I know it's a lot more uh, within my radius. There's not too many right now, but I know that it, it's growing like fire, it seems like. And I'm sure there will be many more coming on board the app soon. And I can't wait to just be able to go on there and see, you know, a Bitcoiner that lives 10 minutes from my house and we can meet for lunch or meet for coffee or just yeah. have a conversation. Yeah, no, that's, 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 that's. That's the magic, right? That's the magic. Yeah. Um, so I I met Silver at the Bitcoin Pacific Conference. And, and, and you know he has this he has this phrase, Bitcoin uh, dematerializes mine. Mm -hmm. Probably heard that, right? So I told him that orange pill up materializes Bitcoiners. Wow. Right? So that's that's a, that's a, that's an easy way to understand it. So imagine, yeah. whatever you live, there's got to be Bitcoiners near you, unless yeah. you live in the jungle or in Iceland. But of course, you don't know that you can't find. They not they don't have Bitcoin on their forehead. <laughs> yeah. So in a way, you know, that's this is the goal of the app is like to find out that your neighborhood, that your neighbor is a Bitcoiner, is magical. Yeah. But you wouldn't know otherwise because maybe he's maybe he's even on Twitter. Maybe does it? Maybe you're even friends on Twitter, but you don't know. Oh, you are in uh, you are 20 miles from me. Like it's impossible, right? Um, so that's the magic, right? So that's the magic of connecting with people like you in real life. Uh, you know, it's the best thing ever, right? Especially as Bitcoiners, because we're kind of like uh, rebels, anti the system. You know, which looks like it's falling down but we have seen if you're not a bitcoiner you've seen kind of like a crazy guy yeah. especially when bitcoin goes from 69 to 17 it's it's you're definitely a crazy guy right you haven't sold this you buy more like you're crazy um and so yeah i mean it's amazing so to give you an example like i know you you haven't met uh people very people yet on the app um hopefully you will soon but i've met people on the app uh, I don't think because I'm a founder, just because and I give you an example that this is a guy that I, so now I don't live in LA anymore. I live in a 10,000 people village in Northern California. Okay. So the chances of other Bitcoiners around here are pretty slim. Yet there's a guy that lives maybe half an hour from me and his daughter goes to school five minutes from my house. So every Monday, every Monday at eight in the morning, we meet for coffee. Awesome. For one hour. He drops, he drops his daughter at the school. And then he stops at the coffee. We meet for one hour and then he goes home and I go home and I you know, have all these calls and all that kind of stuff. So, and that's, you know, there would, there would be no way for me to find this guy. It would be absolutely impossible. 
for me to find this guy, let alone meet this guy in real life. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, it's, that's so what we want to give is the gift of, you know, the gift of Bitcoin friends to as many people as possible. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I know it's going to, I know it's going to take off in the community once the, once the Bitcoin community finds out about it. Um, I know it's going to take off. So I'm excited to be one of the first, you know, few users. Um, anyway, so yeah, so maybe we can get into some of the questions from my followers. Uh, before yeah, we get sure. into that, just really quick, did you, do you have any comments on um, what, uh, obviously, crazy market right now, we're in a pretty steep drawdown. Do you have any, do you want to throw in any comments on what you see happening in like the Bitcoin market right now or the economy and kind of maybe your, your where you see it going over the next year or two? I, I really, I'm not a trader. I'm not a, yeah, a long-term holder. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it, I, I'm at the, I'm at the stage where I don't even care about the price anymore. It's all about accumulation as many Bitcoin as you can. Exactly. Cause I believe that Bitcoin is going to be the global reserve currency because it just makes sense. It just, it's just 10 times better, right? It's just maybe a hundred times better than fiat. So everything that I know about technology and history and humans tells me that Bitcoin is more likely than not to become global reserve currency. And, and, and so if that's true, then the price of Bitcoin dollars is as irrelevant as that as the price of Bitcoin in uh, horses. What is the price of Bitcoin horses? Do you okay. know? Do you care? The same with dollars. It should be the same, right? In my mind is the same. Dollar is gonna go away. Like every currency is gonna away. By the way, like if you look at history, every single currency that once existed is gone. Every single one. You name it. So why wouldn't? You know, this time it's not going to be any different because it's the same problem that at some point it breaks down because it's the nature of the is the nature of the technology of fiat. It's unsustainable, right? And so, I I, I don't care. I mean, I'm I'm all in. I'm building a Bitcoin company, so I'm really like uh, completely detached from the price and uh, I don't know, man. I don't really don't know, I don't really know what to say and. Yeah. And making forecasts, it's the easiest way to look like a bull anyway. Agreed. I, I hope that I'm loving it. I hope it, I hope we stay in a bear market for a while so you can, I'm grateful for this opportunity to stack cheap sats. Um, exactly. Also, it seems the like- way, the, way, the way I put it once on Twitter, I think went viral is this, if Bitcoin price goes up, your life gets better because you can buy a house, you can buy, whatever you want, right? You can make your life better. Mm -hmm. If Bitcoin price goes down, you can buy more stock. You can buy more stats. There's no, win. it's a win-win, <laughs> yeah. right? It's a win-win. Once, once you accept that Bitcoin is, is probably going to win, then you, if the price goes up, great. You can go on a vacation or go dinner, more time, whatever you want to be, right? You can buy more books, whatever. If Bitcoin price goes down, you can get more Bitcoin. So it's, uh, it's a win-win. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Also, from what I've heard, it seems like bear markets are a better time to 
build on Bitcoin because you know things are have a it's more calm. You have a can take a step back. Whereas like if you're build trying to build during a bear market, I mean a bull market it seems like everything happens so fast. And uh, anyway, well, let, let me tell you because I'm the I'm the prime example, right? Because I started this company in May 2022, so pretty much. In the beginning or in the midst of the bear market. Uh, but the point is that in 2021, I was thinking how if I should get a Ferrari. You know, I, I wasn't thinking if I should start a Bitcoin company, yeah. which I didn't buy a Ferrari because obviously I'm a Bitcoin maxi. Um, but, you know, that's the problem with the bull markets that people like me that should start a Bitcoin company, they're, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking, okay, you know, I have all this money now. What am I going to do? Like, you know, once you're all in Bitcoin, you can't go more all in than all in, right? So, so the bear market obviously kind of uh, uh, weed, you know, like kind of like clean the mind space. Okay, I'm not thinking about buying a Ferrari anymore, obviously. So my mind is more uh, free to think about how do I add value to the network instead of how do I add value to myself. So that's why most companies are in the bear market. Makes sense. Last question before we get into the audience questions. Um, so for the app, is it mostly you that is working on everything, or do you have a, a decent sized team? Or I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a highly non-technical founder. As I say, I can barely send an email. So it's it's uh, thankfully. Uh, I found probably some of the best developers on earth 10 years ago after I found maybe a hundreds of wrong developers. I found two of the best. And uh, they happen to be Italians and they happen to be actually one of them happens to be from my home, from the same hometown, which is completely ridiculous. Wow. Because I have, a, I have a hired developers from pretty much every country on earth, you name it. I have hired developers. I fire most of them. Some of them, I have to sue them. It's a complete disaster. So then I've learned how to find the good developer, right? Once you find all the wrong ones, the left, the ones that are left are the good ones, right? So I found the great developers, which I did uh, the food delivery, uh, sorry, indoor food delivery app in New York, the theater, blah, blah. And then although I didn't do any business for five years, six years, I kept the relationship with these developers, which are the people that are really, uh, they are the uh, the people that really create the orange pillar. Like I'm, I have the idea and I have the, the business uh, knowledge to say, okay, we should do this instead of that, but I cannot code, you know. Uh, so it's me and then I have uh, two developers in Italy, um, and then I have, uh, now I have so many people involved in the app. There is all the advisors that are going to involve, you know, some pretty famous Bitcoiners like Knut, Svonham, Daniel Prince, uh, BTC Session. Um, and then I have a designer. I just actually, you mentioned Brian, Brian DeMint. Mm-hmm. Awesome, yeah. He's the, newest and, he's the newest and greatest addition to the team. He's the one that's giving all the sats away. <laughs> uh on twitter which is a great guy and uh, it's killing it uh it's killing it so yeah it's uh i think now it's probably 
one, two, three, four, five, 11 people, 11 people in the company. Although, you know, full time is only four, four and a half. Well, for being so new and for such a small team, the app looks amazing. Like it's super smooth. It looks just as nice as, uh, you know, a LinkedIn or a Facebook or a Twitter, in my Thank opinion, you. as far as the appearance. So very impressed. And I'm it, super excited. It's going to get it. much better. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get much better. It's, uh, we, I launched it before I should have launched it because I've, you know, I've learned that it's better to launch and find out if users actually want this than build, 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 build spend all this money and all this time and then you launch it and you find out oh we don't care about this app so that it's always better in vast majority of cases to launch as soon as you have something that people can use it and then ask them okay do you actually want this and the answer is yes then you can go and build the greatest product ever um which is what I'm doing. I'm, pre I'm pretty much building in public, as they say. That's awesome. That's great advice. <sighs> yeah. So anyway, maybe we can now get into some of the questions um, and just sure. let me know whenever uh, you need to go. I know you're kind of living on time, so just we can get through as many as, as time allows. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Don't worry. I've, uh, I have time. So uh, I sent you the list. Is there any particular ones that you wanted to... I haven't checked the list. I okay. like uh, I like surprises. Okay, no problem then. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just go through some. Some of them are, maybe half of them are just kind of Bitcoin related and some, and maybe the other half are Orange Pill app related. Sure. Yes. Yeah, so this question comes from at early Clayton. And the question is, it was in Spanish, but thankfully the Twitter has a translate at, uh, function. Do you think the Lightning Network will be the future of the economy? Oh, easily, easily, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, yes, hundred percent. Although I gotta say, now that we launch uh, the Lightning Network payments, uh, actually, it's one week now. Today's Friday. No, it's five days. So five days ago, we launched uh, LN payments, and I gotta say, I'm a little disappointed from the, uh, the way pretty much to run uh, a Lightning Network node efficiently, you need to be an hacker. It's so difficult, um, which you know, I found out the hard way because you know, I didn't know much. I thought it was a little bit easier. So I think, I think what's gonna happen is that, and I know there are some companies that, that, have, that have built these solutions that business owners, they don't want to run a node, they don't want to manage the liquidity. All they want to do is accept payments over the Lightning Network. So we don't have to pay Apple or Google 30% commission, 30%, which is absolutely ridiculous. And then not only that, they I still haven't seen $1. So I've launched it one month ago and I have People, you know, buying uh, the subscription uh, every day. It's now one month later. I've seen zero dollars because Apple, because of the fiat world, mm -hmm. keep the money in the bank for as long as they can. And then on top of charging thirty percent, so they charge you thirty percent, and then they hold the money for probably two months. Now compare this to the Latin network, 
which is 0% fees or almost zero, instant settlement, no KYC, no reporting. I mean, it's, 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 it's it, you don't need to be a technologist to understand that the Latin network, once it's fully fleshed out, because today is not, once it's super easy for anybody to use it, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, I would be, I would be, I would be completely shocked if in five years or 10 at the latest, every single company that is online does not accept the Latin network payments. I would be absolutely shocked. Something crazy must have happened. I agree. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. I mean, why pay, you know, two to three percent to Visa or American Express and have your money on hold when you can, you know, like you said, for chargebacks, refunds, KYC. It, it's it's just uh, such an inferior product. The problem is that until there is a superior problem, sorry, a superior product, you are forced to use Visa and Apple and Google and, and Mastercard and Stripe, whatever. Now we have an alternative, which is a billion times better. So it's all a matter about, okay, now I know about this alternative. It's still not uh, user-friendly, but it's, you know, but the, the, the benefits are so greater than even me that, again, I'm very non-technical. I spent two days talking to chat GPT. You know about chat uh, GPT, uh, GTP, the AI. I spent two days talking with this AI bot so I could learn how to run a node, which now I pretty much know. Because, because you know, the, the pain of paying up of 3% and still not seeing any dollars for two months is so great that I would, I would, I would learn how to run a node, which is, not, which is very hard, so that I don't have this problem. So the problem that the fiat world problem is so large that it's inevitable that people are going to end up in the easiest uh, solution, right? It's just the way humanity works. Awesome. Great answers. So, um, okay, this question comes from Alexander Marit, and this is an Orange Poet related question. During the development of the project, what was the most critical moment that you managed to overcome? And what advice would you give to people who are also developing and who may be going through those moments right now? So, you know, you probably know the answer by now. I didn't have any development problems because, you know, great team. I'm very fortunate to have found uh, like super talented developer, but I can, I can, uh, I had another problem which is kind of related and it goes back to centralized system. So here's the problem that I had. The official launch was November 9th. I obviously bought the uh, vendor ticket for Pacific Bitcoin book the flights and do all that kind of stuff. On Friday, so that, that was on a Wednesday. On Friday, the app was still not live. Why? Because Apple did not uh, approve the app as, they, as we uh, presented to them. This is on Friday. Wow. The conference on Wednesday. And I paid money and I told everybody Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. So I spent... Uh, pretty much from Friday night until Monday morning, awake, talking to my developers in Italy. I'm nine hours behind in time zone. Resubmitting a uh, version to the Apple Store, 
then it was wrong, and then resubmitting again. So we spent the whole weekend submitting version of the app. I think we submitted seven times in three days. And then on Monday morning, at three in the morning, the app was live. So that was the real, that was the only hurdle. I mean, that was the biggest hurdle that we had to overcome, which has nothing to do with the development. It had to do with the fact that the gatekeeper did not want to, you know, let us in. And so, you know, so the advice uh, that I could give is that you need to create yourself a mindset that you're going to do it no matter how hard it is, no matter how little you know, because I know very little, you're just going to find a way to do it. And so, you know, then the one, one technique that, that you can use and is the burn your ship technique, right? Like uh, the Fernando Cortez went to Mexico to conquer Mexico. Nobody could conquer Mexico. And then once they landed, he told this soldier, burn your ships. And they told him, well, if we burn the ships, how are we going to go back? And he said, well, we're only going to go back if we're going to conquer Mexico. Otherwise, we die. So what, what happened? They actually conquered Mexico because they had no option. So, so giving yourself a deadline, like, you know, like paying for a ticket and telling everybody, okay, on this day, the app is going to be live. Is a huge uh, motivator and, and is a huge incentive for you to solve whatever you need to solve. And, and of course, find good developers if you can. That's you know, it's always better. Awesome. I love the example that you use because I'm a big Napoleon Hill guy. I've read all his books, and you know, he talks about the yeah. you know, burn your your ships. Course, and yeah, I love it. Um, okay, this is a fun question uh, from Block Stepper. Uh, if you actually met the real Satoshi Nakamoto on the Orange Pill app, uh, what would your perfect day look like? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he's an Orange Pill app, right? Why wouldn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's just I, I spend uh, I spend probably way too much time thinking about Sakamoto, as a matter of fact, because he's completely he's a complete unique character. Fascinating. It's a complete unique, like it's almost like an alien, right? The guy not only was a genius because you know he, he solved the Byzantine problem and like, whatever. That's fine. We had many genius, right? Elon Musk, Steve Jobs, uh, Einstein, you name it. Would, you know, you humanity produced geniuses all the time. But he also had the discipline and the courage and the the wisdom of disappearing, which obviously was the greatest gift it could give to Bitcoin, because we know what happened to other previous uh, digital currencies. And then apparently never sold a penny, although he might have another wallet uh, with, I don't know, but anyway, he has 1 million Bitcoin, which it makes me, which makes him one of the richest person on planet Earth. He never sold anything. He never came back, even when somebody else said, oh, I am Satoshi. And he still hasn't come back. So I would say that probably he's dead. If I, if I was a, if you put a gun to my head and, and ask me, is, is Satoshi alive or dead? I would probably say he's dead, right? 
is either dead or is an alien or is a saint. I don't know. It's a very unique figure. But now, if he was an orange pilaf, uh, I doubt he would use his real name, right? <laughs> yeah. I would ask this question. I would ask, uh, are you, uh, like, how did you, like, what is your, what is your childhood like? Like, how did you become this kind of person, right? How did you become not only a genius, which is probably like DNA, like, you know, like, you're born with a, with a very high intelligence, you know, good for you. But how did you become this uh, kind of like saint-like figure? That's what I would, that's what I would ask him. So much, yeah, such an inter interesting story. Most people that, unless you're a hardcore Bitcoiner, I think most people don't even know that the creator of Bitcoin is anonymous and that it's just a fascinating story. Um, so anyway, I like your question. Okay, this question comes from Benny. And I saw somebody from the Twitter account had actually replied to this. And this is going to be a quick one because it's probably Brian. Uh, yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, I know he's taking over the Twitter account this week. Yeah, he's so. taking over everything. He's taking over, the, he's taking over Twitter. Actually, I have, uh, you know, on Twitter, you, you, maybe you don't, but you, if you have too many notifications, you get an alert rate limit exceeded because they have too many innovations that they don't have and uh, and brian keep getting to that problem which is crazy because you know it's it's uh, yeah it's, it's a magician sounds like he's having fun doing it too so. yeah he's having fun giving all the stats away for sure yeah <laughs> it's a fun thing like uh i i don't know if you've ever uh seen uh seen my account but basically i i just give stats away every day and yeah yeah it's, i think it's great by the way i think it Joking aside, I think giving stats away, I think it helps the ecosystem and it helps people because circular economy, right? We need to, if, if we only use Bitcoin as an investment that I buy and never sell, first of all, it's impossible because if you buy and never sell, that means you didn't buy all in. You have cash, you have fiat. So you're not all in. If you're all in, you have to spend, right? Which means somebody has to accept it for a, for a, in return for services and product, right? So it's good that the, the SaaS giveaway is not only good as a marketing technique, whatever, but it's also good for the Bitcoin uh, ecosystem. Uh, I like that. Been a lot of fun. Um, yeah. So anyway, the question is, uh, and I know it's it's kind of already hinted on this and that, but the question is. Will there ever be a map that shows local retailers that accept Bitcoin? Absolutely, yes. We have partnered with btcmap.org. Mm -hmm. They have uh, they cracked the code how to get a directory of all the merchants that accept Bitcoin. And so, so yes, absolutely. It's going to be a map uh, in Orange Pilap that you can see easily on the map nearby. Merchants, whatever you need, grocery, uh, plumber, uh, hardware store, whatever it may be. So it's definitely going to be on Orange Pilot, probably summer of next year. Looking forward to that. I, I can't wait to. I have a taco truck down the road from my house, and I, I, uh, he doesn't accept Bitcoin as payment, but I tip him in Bitcoin. Like I had him download the wallet oh, nice. Satoshi. So every time I, 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 I just tip him in with some sats. So that's the way, it, man. That's the way. So fun. Uh, okay, uh, <laughs> this is a question I already know your answer to it, but I, I threw it on here because I, I thought I'd like to hear what you say. Uh, 
this comes from 6457 Samsung. Question is, if someone who doesn't like Bitcoin only likes altcoins, but likes the concept of the Orange Po app, do you consider creating another app for altcoin only? <laughs> oh, man. Sure. Uh, Cardano. Uh, man, uh, those people are going to need a rehab app. <laughs> not, not, not a meeting app. They're going to need a rehab. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and yeah, you know, you probably guessed the answer, right? Yeah. Hey, maybe that's a business idea is to make an app for altcoiners here, you know. <laughs> to go to rehab. Yeah. There you go. That's your next business. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, uh, to be to be to be more serious, I was also a shit coin at some point. So obviously, mm-hmm. and I think most people, I, I, I would say maybe ninety percent of Bitcoiners have all had a shit coin phase. You just have to go through uh, and learn it and learn why it's mm-hmm. Bitcoin only, and it's not easy. Actually, it's probably easier if you go through the shit coin phase. You have you're gonna end up having a stronger uh, understanding and stronger belief that Bitcoin is the only solution here. Then if you don't go to the shitcoin phase, so it's kind of like a trial by fire. Like you have to go through this phase to become. It's kind of like teenager, right? You got to go to all these yeah. backups that you're gonna do, and then you can become an adult. That's a good way to describe it. It's like your teenager phase, that your altcoin phase. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, anyway, this is another Orange Poap related question. Um, comes from Dylan Cooney. Will the Orange Poap create city slash country groups to build communities and cities and countries? Whether Orange Poap creates cities, like city sure groups, like maybe maybe like a. Uh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. So. The problem with that is that uh, the app is live in 175 countries, mm-hmm. which means whatever city you're from, there's going to be another city with the same exact name somewhere else, which is why we don't let you put the city. Also, it's not, also it allows for bad actors to say I'm from this city when they're not. You know, There's a lot of security also as well. The geolocation is the easiest way and is also the most secure way, although people would think is the less secure, is actually the most secure. Um, and so, yeah, see this, I mean, the app already tells you. Also, you know, it's kind of like, why do you need to know which city I'm from? You need to know that I'm close enough to you. Because maybe, you know, you think about a huge city like New York, Cologne, or Tokyo. We might be in the same city. We might be two hours apart. So how is that helping us meet if I tell you Hey, you're in Tokyo and I'm in Tokyo. Okay, are we in Tokyo five minutes apart or two hours apart? So it doesn't really help you to know you're in the same city. What helps you to know that you and I are five miles or 10 miles or 50 miles, it's 100 miles away. Because then you can, it doesn't matter where the city boundaries are, it matters how far we are from each other. Yeah, that's that's the information you need to 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 say, oh, okay, this guy is close enough. Let's go for a beer. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, for sure. And I think yeah. So right now it's you know the app is still kind of in beta phase, I guess. You know, kind of limited features. And right now it's just uh, you know you have the messaging feature, but it's it's just one on mm-hmm. one one way, right? Like yeah. there's not really like a group yeah. feature yet, or no, it's not. 
I don't think we're ever going to have a group feature, to be honest with you, because we want to foster one-on-one relationship. Okay. We don't want to become another Telegram group, right? Or another WhatsApp group. So you can already do that on Telegram. Yeah. We don't need, you know, the unique uh, proposition here is that you're going to make lifelong, meaningful connection with other plebs one-on-one. Mm-hmm. No. Let me go to this group. There's a hundred people, and then five people talk all the time, and ninety-five don't. You know, it's it, it is not conducive to what we're trying to achieve. For you to meet somebody else in real life that you can become a friend or partner or whatever you want. So there's probably never going to be a chat group. Makes sense. Yeah, I like I like the one-on. I, I prefer having the one-on-one Bitcoin conversations as well, versus like a a group but so. yeah it's more intimate it's more like you know yeah. you know the other person is listening to you because it's only you in the chat yeah right? it's it's more direct it's more intimate it's more fulfilling than being on a group chat with 100 people okay okay next question comes from hernandez uh he already answered the first part of this question so i'll answer the second part of the question it's do you think that more countries will adopt bitcoin as legal tender and that they take well, the example of el salvador like in the next you know couple of years it's tricky. It's very tricky. If I was the if I was the president of a country, what are my incentives? Excuse me. You have to think about what are the incentives for a president of a country to accept Bitcoin. Now, some country like El Salvador makes sense because they are dollarized country, but they don't have a central bank, meaning they are the recipients of inflation. And they have a large uh, remittance economy. So it makes sense for them to accept Bitcoin. If you are a country with your own central bank, then it doesn't make any sense from the point of view of the field world, right? Like, because if you're a president of the country, you want to have as much power as you want. That's why you end up being in power. You don't end up being power if you don't want power, right? Yeah. And so, I don't. I don't really think. I don't really see many countries adopting Bitcoin uh, from the from the top down, like El Salvador. Like the president is all in. I don't really see that because just it's it's against human nature. It's just against human nature, right? I see countries being forced to adopt Bitcoin from the bottom up because people are going to use Bitcoin as 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 a medium of exchange, as a unit of account. And then, so I, I believe that at some point in the future, I don't know if you ever read this uh, blog or article from Taleb, the, um, the dictatorship of the minority. Yep. I don't know if you're familiar with that, which is a very interesting concept. Basically explains that societies change by the minority, not by the majority. Although we think majority wins, it's not true at all. Is the intolerant minority that changed society. So the example he gives is that if you if you if you uh, if you if you buy a coke, if you buy a coke today, it's going to be a kosher. It's going to be a kosher coke. It makes no sense because there's only one percent of Jews in the country, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So why would coke cater to one percent of the country? It doesn't make sense from a business standpoint. The point is that 
the Jews are the intolerant minority. They will only drink Coke that is kosher. The non-Jews, they couldn't care less. In fact, you probably, you probably don't even know that the Coke is kosher. I didn't know for sure. I mean, I don't drink Coke, but whatever. Because so the so the one percent, because they will not drink a non-kosher Coke, and because the cost for Coke to make every Coke kosher is very little, then now every Coke is kosher. So the one percent have changed the Coke for the ninety-nine percent. And this is this applies to many other examples. You know, actually, I think if you really think about it, like pretty much everything comes from that principle. If you have a group of people that is intolerant, you either squash them completely, or they're gonna become the uh, the one that makes the rules. So I believe what's gonna happen is this: at some point, there's gonna be two systems parallel the fiat system and the Lightning Network system, right? So you can go to a merchant, like in, in some sometime in the future, buying uh, a McDonald's with fiat or Bitcoin would be exactly the same experience. But imagine the world. Now, the Bitcoin maxi, they're only going to pay with Bitcoin. The non-Bitcoin maxi, they, they, they don't care they say, okay, I'll pay with Bitcoin, although it's depressing, it might be pressing dollar, but they will they will they will use the, the, the Bitcoin rails because it's cheaper. And the merchants they use it because it's cheaper as an instant settlement and all that stuff we talk about. So at some point, the Bitcoin uh, maxi intolerant minority is gonna change the whole system for everybody else. So at some point. That's how I. That's how I believe. I'm, you know, most likely going to be wrong, but that's my 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 thesis is that at some point, people are going to say, "I only want to pay in Bitcoin." So if you want my business, you have to accept Bitcoin. And so merchants, they're going to accept Bitcoin because it costs them nothing, or almost nothing. Actually, it might be sorry. It not only costs them nothing, actually increases their profits because there's less fee and blah blah blah. So that is the way I think we go to a Bitcoin uh, standard, not through Joe Biden or Donald Trump or whoever is the president saying, okay, tomorrow Bitcoin is legal tender. I think that's very, very, very unlikely, which is why we haven't seen any other country adopt Bitcoin because it just doesn't make sense from the top down. Makes sense. Um. Maybe, maybe last question. Uh, now we're coming up on an hour here. Uh, this question comes from ghost underscore BC. I have time, by the way, if you, if you have more questions. Okay. Well, I think I think there may be only one or two questions that we haven't hit cool. yet. So if, if you have time to hit them all, then yeah. just hit them all. Last time me and Brian wow. got talking talking so so much beforehand, we only got to you know get to three or four of the the, the follow-up yeah, questions. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, um, I also talk a lot. <laughs> so he also had another podcast like, right after mine so he had to he had to go but i actually do too but it's uh what time is it yeah i have yeah i have time okay so this question is uh do, do you think there's a danger of showing people nearby that you own bitcoin how do you prevent the service from being a target list for wrench attacks perfect question never heard it before 
first time I heard that question. It's an interesting question. Just kidding, obviously. Just <laughs> kidding, obviously. This is this is what everybody asks. So yeah. let's do Cameron. You seem like you're a smart guy. Let's do a thought experiment. Let's say that you and I live close enough. Now I know you're in Alabama and I'm in California. Let's just say we live close enough, and I tell you exactly how far I am from you to the feet that you, hey, Cameroon, I am right now in this very moment, three miles and uh, five, 3.5 miles and 20 feet from you. And then I tell you, if you find me, I will give you one Bitcoin, okay? This is the deal, this is the thought experiment. Now, go and find me. You know exactly how I am, you know the exact distance from me to you, you know, to the feet. How are you gonna find me? Um, as internet, search you on the internet, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, GPS, compass, oh, I'll give you a hundred Bitcoin. How are you gonna find me? You know, it's the exact distance from me. So you're saying I only know the distance, not like the direction or anything. Well, okay. Exactly. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah. that's so in the app, you only see the distance. Right. Not you're not you saying like somebody's address. Or so. no, of course. Now this is so it's so so it's impossible to find somebody just by knowing the distance, the accurate distance to the feet, to the inch, it's pretty much impossible. Now, of course we don't do that because there is no need to know the exact distance because we're not delivering pizza. So the, the geolocation is approximate to begin with. So when you download the app, you've probably seen it, you have, you're on the app. So what, what, so what Apple has done has taken the map of the world and has subdivided in blocks of 10 miles radius. So we know that you are in this block that has a 10 miles radius. So it's pretty large already. Okay. Then we take that block and then me, I'm on another block. The distance from the two blocks is let's say 17 miles. So I could tell you that I'm 17 miles away, although it's not true because you're in 10 miles radius and I'm in 10 miles radius. So we could be 17 plus 10 and plus 10 in reality. Because we could be at the end of the radius, at the end of the circle, right? So, so not only that, we don't even give you the exact distance from the radius. We, we, we randomly round up the distances. Meaning if we are seven, if my, my circle is 17 miles from your circle, I don't tell you that we're 70 miles. I tell you we're 15 or 20. I always, so in the, the app automatically round up or round down the distances or by, by five miles. And this is made randomly. So even I couldn't know if I wanted to, to know the exact distance from my circle to your circle. So it's, it's, it's you know, it's, 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 it's a mess because it's a mess because we don't need to know, you know, in order for me and Cameron to go and get a beer, we just need to know that we're close enough. Yeah. Whether it's 16 miles or 14 miles, it makes zero difference. And so everything is rounded up and everything is approximate. So, any, but again, even if it was, the, as we just proved, even if it was the exact distance, 
it still wouldn't matter. You, could, you couldn't find me anyway. Now, on top of that, we only take the, your, your geolocation when you use the app. So if the app is closed and you're going around, we have no idea where you are. So, because obviously we don't care. We don't, we don't do advertising, right? That's the beauty of doing a membership. We don't do advertise, so we couldn't care less if you go to Starbucks tomorrow, like zero value, right? Um, so that's that's the geolocation piece. As for the ranch attack, man, if you bought Bitcoin, KYC, in any exchange, which in the United States it's guaranteed, like I bought KYC, like the ranch attack is gonna come from the exchanges and the government sub, sub um forcing the exchange to give you your full address, not the not the fake geolocation. Um, and lastly, don't go out with your C phrase in your pocket, right? Don't go on yeah. a date with your C phrase in your wallet, right? You don't need to do that, right? So this, yeah, it's, uh, I understand how it might uh, appear as a privacy invasive, the fact that it's geolocated, although it's not really geolocated, it's like approximately geolocated and rounded out, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, it's um, when you you know when you think about it, when you think it through, it's there's there's literally no risk. I mean, there's as much risk as you going to a conference or you going to a meetup or you going out anywhere and tell somebody, yes, I mean Bitcoin. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. I think you answered every uh, part of that, every angle of that question. So. Um, yeah, as you can, yeah. as you guess, it's not the first time, right? That I hold that <laughs> yeah. Word, so. Yeah. Okay. This question comes from uh, Michael Eichmann, and he says, "I'm living in Kenya. Hardware wallets are both hard to get and expensive for a secure and sovereign account. How can we best onboard African countries and individuals in a safe way? Multi-sig. What is the most cost-effective way for Bitcoin sovereignty and security?" So. Um, well, hardware wallets are, are great, but they also have uh, security problems. I would say, uh, you know, if you lose it, it's gonna be a problem. If you if you print your um, seed phrase on a piece of paper, put it in a safe, the house gets on fire, my out of your Bitcoin. Oh, there is not really. I mean, the way I approach it is like I have uh, digital wallets. They live on my iPhone, which is uncrackable. I'm sure everybody knows the story about the uh, San Bernardino terrorists. Then the FBI told Apple to unlock the iPhone of the terrorists, and they couldn't do it. That's the FBI, blah, blah. So anyway, um, so digital wallets, I think, are great. Digital wallets, I think, they're great, especially if you're not an expert, if you're not... You know, if you don't know what you're doing, if you're just if you're just getting in, if you go a hundred dollar or a thousand dollar, you know, some small amount, digital wallets. If you have an iPhone, I think it's a little it's a little more secure than a Google phone. But you know, I know in Africa it's probably much cheaper to get a an Android. And then uh, you know, uh, don't lose the password. You know, obviously that's the beauty of Bitcoin. You're in charge. You have a responsibility. So don't lose the password. Um, and also it's much cheaper, by the way, you know, the hardware wallets that goes hundreds of dollars, which if you're in Africa, it's probably a lot of money. So yeah, my advice would be download one of the blue wallet, moon, uh, uh, wallet of Satoshi, you know, all these great wallets that already exist. Download on your phone, send the SAS on this, 
delete the app, reinstall the app, sign up, make sure you're familiar with the process of losing and, and regaining access to the wallet. And then, you know, and then go from there. That's my, that would be my humble advice. That's a good piece of advice, especially there at the end that to just go ahead and pretend that you've lost your, you know, your phone or whatever. Yeah, and just obviously don't do it with all your Bitcoins, you know. Just put <laughs> yeah. 50 bucks and, and, you know, delete everything and try to, try to uh, replicate a scenario in which you're uh, in a bad situation. Somebody saw your phone. You've lost your phone. You, it, the phone is broken. Try to replicate that scenario without actually being in that scenario and see how easy it is to regain access. Maybe you have another phone. Actually, you, you don't even need to add another phone. You can download the app from another phone and then log in on your wallet and the Bitcoin will be there because the Bitcoin is not really in the phone, right? It's on the blockchain. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So this is actually the last question. It comes from Warden Cliff and it's an easy general question. Take it wherever you want. Um, what advice can you give to people who don't have Bitcoin yet? Well, uh, what advice? One second. It's a question I get well, asked a lot because people want, you know, like a, people don't, sorry. They don't understand anything about it, you know, just kind of want like an elevator pitch, which is hard yeah. to do with Bitcoin. Um, but if you had to. Well, it depends. So I have a career in orange peeling people. Because I've done it many, many times, as you can imagine. My mother, my sisters, my friends, my wife, etc. Well, it depends, obviously, who you're talking to. I mean, I have failed to orange peel people, uh, as despite my best efforts. But first of all, you should learn what you know. What are the what are the um, uh, complaints, right? Why, why does this person doesn't like Bitcoin? Is it because of they love the government or they love centralization? You need to know which angle are they coming from and then explain what are the problem with that philosophy, right? If the government, I mean, I think, I think by now in 2022, almost 2023, I think it's pretty evident that you cannot trust the government, right? Even if, you know, even if you love the government and there's a lot of uh, things that have happened in the last couple of years, you know, COVID and Canada and Russia and this and that. But yeah, the, the, the general advice is that buy some, you know, buy some, which is what I did in 2015 or 2016, you know, buy $10, then you're gonna get interested, right? And then you learn and then listen to a podcast. Buy the Bitcoin standard, uh, read the Bitcoin standard, or read or you, you know listen to Seyfedin on uh, one of the thousand podcasts he, he has done, or maybe even better, which is what I sent everybody is Michael Siller. I think the way Michael Siller explained Bitcoin, you can't beat it. If you listen to Michael Siller for two three hours and you still don't get Bitcoin, then you're beyond, I think you're, you're just beyond uh, reach. Um, but yeah, start with the education. Start with education as a, as a curiosity uh, exercise. Like everybody now is talking about Bitcoin. What is it? The problem is that there's a lot of misinformation. There's a lot of wrong teachers online and books. And, you know, it's hard to know 
if you read the Bitcoin standard, I think it's one of the best places to start. But if you read uh, books that talk about crypto and Bitcoin just being one of the coins, then you might as well not read that book, right? So yeah, it's a, but yeah, buy a little bit, learn as much as you can, then buy a little bit more, keep learning, and eventually, most likely, you're gonna end up, you know, being all in or close to be all in. Once you really understand what problem Bitcoin solves. Great answer. Great answer. Yeah, just give it individualized approach to it because everybody's comes from different angles and yeah just find out what right. it is that they what angle they come from and try to give them an individualized orange pilling session i totally yeah. agree with the michael Sater, by the way he's he's the guy that i would say really yeah, totally uh, orange pulled me and actually I, I can tell you a story about michael Sater. it was this friend of mine which uh pretty old guy probably the smartest person that i know uh, Harvard, uh, extremely rich, extremely successful guy, background in finance and all that kind of stuff. And I couldn't get through him until I sent him uh, the interview that Michael Sir did with Tucker Carlson. That's a great one. I sent that link to him, and he, and 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 that's how I got through this guy. Um, so yeah, Michael Siller, it's the, I call it the CEO of Bitcoin, but you know, like it's the best weapon you can send. It's the best weapon you can have in your pocket into the, if you want to go into a fight with a no corner or a pre corner or a shit corner, right? Michael Siller is your best friend. I agree. That guy is on another level for sure. Yeah. <sighs> So yeah, that was so that was uh, the last question. Thank you so much for cool. for doing this. I really enjoyed talking with you. Um, everybody, go download Same. the Orange Pill app. You know, spread spread the the message of the Orange Pill app. Meet other Bitcoiners. Um, follow Orange Pill app on Twitter. Any other things you'd like to plug in here at then? I think uh, yeah, I think you go. But we are so the app is called Orange Pill app, as you can see right here. Yep can't miss it and if you know if you're in bitcoin you know you know uh, so orange pill up uh, is on ios um probably by the time this podcast goes live we might be out of an, uh, we might be out on android as well which is going to be hopefully early january um and uh, the social media are at orange pill up instagram twitter you name it awesome thank you so much again and yeah, I'm going to end it right here. Thank you, Cameron.